This episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast is brought to you by Shades of Vengeance. We know you, you're a gamer like us. You want as much out of your game as we do. We all want the same thing. More. This is what Era the Consortium, a new sci-fi tabletop RPG has to offer. Visit the Kickstarter page at tinyurl.com slash kicksov. That's tinyurl.com slash kicksov. There's a link in the show notes. Only a few days left on this Kickstarter. Go check it out. See if you can help them out. We thank Shades of Vengeance for their support. This week's major spoilers podcast is brought to you by the following fine and faithful spoilerites. George Chimples, Christian Fisher, Michael Watanabe, Lisa Kenoy, Amber Dennett, Josh Payne, Robert Caslake, Alexander Diacon, Nathan Tenney, Robert Lavelle, 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 Reveille. We'll go with Reveille. Stephen Probst, Patrick Marr, Lynn Skog Severin, Julia Hess, Paul Fassett, Christopher Mathias, Robert Graham Gemmel, Scott Maida, Daniel Evenson, Marco Selmo, Stephen Gilbert, William Young, Stephanie Estes, and William Gibson, author of the classic cyberpunk trilogy. Fine and faithful spoilerites all, we'd love to have your name join them in the hallowed ranks of spoilerosity, meaning a future major spoilers production could go out to you. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Zach. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this Issue! I can't stand it. I know you planned it. Steven sets us straight like Watergate. Zach can't stand rockin' when I'm in here, cause his evil empire ain't crystal clear. Rodrigo sits back and wonders why the Witchblade is such a thorn in his side. But make no mistakes and switch up my channel. I'm Buddy Hackett when I fly off the handle. What could it be? Listen to me. You're scheming on a thing. That's the MSP. And it's currently about to take to the air. Wiki Wiki. Welcome to issue five, whatever this is, 564. <laughs> I don't know. I give up anymore. No matter what you do, people are always, what's that? What's that? Uh, uh, no good deed goes unpunished. Is that the, is that the phrase? Wow. I think that's a phrase. Yeah, they say that. They what, say the other that, one yeah. is damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. Kinda, maybe. Kind of like my week. That's what it is. Hey, listeners, Man, I, you, uh, you might want to buy some of those uh, Village of the Damned. I know, right? <laughs> Children of the Damned. Uh, what's another damn Children movie? Of the Children of the damn Corn. Um, Honey, I think the kids. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what? If you want to pick up those movies, go over to Majorspoilers.com. Click on that Amazon.com link. You can buy all those movies. Village of the Damned. Oh, good That's movie, good. Zach, if you haven't ever seen that one. Nope. Have you oh, seen a the bunch of Bunch of blonde-headed kids old. freaking out the world. Yeah, I'd say go it's with the 1960s. Like Oh no, it's it's good. I would say go see the 1960s version of that as opposed to the uh, what was it, John Carpenter version of that. The Carpenter remake has its moments. Is that with Ali Sheedy in it or uh, Christy Alley? Remember Christy Alley. Christy it's Alley. either Ali Sheedy or Christy Alley. Yeah, or maybe, Christy yeah. Alley. That's who it it's is. It's Christy Alley and Christopher Reeves, isn't it? Yep, yep, that's it. Christopher Reeve. Yeah, Reeve. George Reeves played Superman in '54. Christopher Reeve in '77. Man, I had a uh, me in 2022. I had a John Carpenter weekend the other night. Oh, sat really? the boy down and I said, you're going to watch because I'm all jazzed up about this Big Trouble in Little China comic mm -hmm. that's coming out of Boom Studios. I don't know if you guys saw that teaser image over at the website uh, last yeah. week. Oh, I cannot yeah. wait for that to come out. It's going to be a, 
I can't remember if it's a four or six issue miniseries. But mm-hmm. it must be a four issue miniseries because the uh, the four. artist has got four interconnecting covers. Oh nice. So that's gonna be pretty sweet. But I was I like had a, I had a Richard Carpenter weekend. But I was like, the boy, sit down, you're gonna watch this movie, Big Trouble <laughs> in Little China. Now granted he's six and a half. And he first thing first thing that he noticed was, isn't this PG thirteen dad? Why is it PG thirteen? I said, Oh, mostly because of violence. Uh, but I forgot how sweary that movie <laughs> it is was. Super sweary. <laughs> it was, it's super sweary. But um, he goes and he goes, "Mom, I'm going to watch Big Trouble in Little China." And she's like, "Uh, really?" And I'm like, "Woman, do not be bad mouthing the Big Trouble in Little China." So I watched that, I and think then she was just bad mouthing your parenting choices. Oh, well, she sat down. She sat down and watched it too. She, doesn't, oh, okay. she didn't have a problem with it. I mean, right. I, he knows that he's not supposed to use certain words. Oh, good. Although. Uh, <laughs> Another kid at school a few weeks ago used the f bomb, mm-hmm. and so he oh, thought it was wow. funny and repeated it and got into some big trouble mm-hmm. for that. Kid said Futurama. Yes. No, he Frank, said he Frank, literally said f bomb. He literally just said f bomb. Yes. Funkadelics. No. That'd have been awesome. No. 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 That was followed up by a movie from 1994 called In the Mouths of Madness. With uh, oh, the, sounds like the porn parody, the Lovecraft and, movie. Yeah, yeah, it's all Lovecraft. <laughs> um, not as good as Big Trouble in Little China, but still definitely a John oh, Carpenter movie. Yeah, I don't know why John Carpenter all, all of a sudden just went to crap. You know, you get did he do Halloween? Mm, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure he did People Under I the thought, Stairs. I and thought he did, he did, he the did Ghosts of Halloween. Mars. Maybe I'm something else. He did The Thing, which yeah. was scary as hell. That's a movie you should watch, Zach, if you haven't ever seen uh, The Thing with... No. Uh, throw it in the Zach on film rotation. That'd be good. What is this? Oh, he did the soundtrack for Yu-Gi-Oh! The Abridged Series, series uh, Season Zero. Yu-Gi-Oh! The Abridged Series. Yes. Is, yeah, that's not really a thing. Um, are you sure? Yeah. Although I do <laughs> love, and I don't know if you've seen... Have you seen Dark Star? Dark Star, no. Dark Star is is Carpenter's oh, is that that, first yeah, yeah, yeah. movie. I've seen that one. That's the with, uh, with yeah, Dan I've O'Bannon. I've seen. Yeah, that and one. I I love that one simply because it's so three guys in college making a movie. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. He, I mean, he had like twelve dollars, and they made a science fiction, not an epic necessarily, but a science fiction movie that was believable. Yeah, this he was did Halloween. He did Halloween. Did he? He did Halloween. So here's the good, here are the good movies that I think John Carpenter did: Halloween, The Fog. Okay. Escape from okay. New York. The thing. Are you sure on the fog? Yeah, the 1980 version of the fog. It's got some moments in there that are just Adrian Barbeau. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing. Christine. <laughs> Starman. Big Trouble in Little China. They live. The they live. And then it just kind of goes down from there. You then, well, then Escape you have, from New York was okay. I, that's when what I said. Escape from New York is good, but then you got like Memoirs of an Invisible Man. And Village of the Damned, and Escape from L.A., and Ghosts of Mars. When did uh, when did They Live come out? They, they Live, live came 80, out in 1988. 80, 1988. Are you sure? Yep. And how and how old were you, Stephen? I was 18. Teen. Um, I've I have a I have an alternate theory. <laughs> <laughs> Is it one we've discussed before? <laughs> kind of, yeah. Yeah, in, in that uh, maybe Carpenter hasn't necessarily gotten worse as a filmmaker so much as the uh, things that resonated with you about his movies uh, continue to be there, but essentially you changed, he didn't. Ah, uh, maybe. I agree. No, I think I it's. I think it goes back to that conversation age. of, you know, that we've had before about 
pick your 18 range and then a couple of years either side mm-hmm. of that, and that's where your favorite movies typically reside. Yeah. With me, it's about 12. Maybe I'm just awesome. I don't know. Because you act like you're 12? Hey, did I tell you I got a cut <laughs> on my finger? <laughs> did you see the new Flash full costume this week? No, no, no. Let's go back to me giving you the finger. <laughs> you're going to give I me your finger. See- I did see the Flash costume. I did not see the full costume because he's bent over in poor light. Well, I mean, um, up that uh, brightness there on your monitor and you'll get a get yeah, a pretty yeah, good yeah. view of it. Yeah. The good thing I'm is looking at the boots. They look like he's got Doc Martens on. Oh, that's that's the uh, I, th- I think I said that a few months ago that Doc Martens was going to be the. Yeah, because it's the this year. It is very um, it is, you know, it's it's very 52 new 52. No, 52. It's very the, em- the emblem looks good. It's got very tech. Yeah, it's got a lot of texture on it. Yeah. It, I like that. He doesn't I look like bulky. The, I like the lightning bolt down the leg. Yeah, because you know I was going to say it reminds me of. What? It reminds me of a really cool black lightning costume. <laughs> you know who had if the lightning were, bolt on the were, leg? If this were blue, if this were blue, black, and white. Hmm. Dude. Lightning bolt down the leg was a trademark of Jay Garrick in oh, his earliest go. appearances back in 1939. So I'm going to pretend well, that is. they knew that and did that on purpose. There, I'm sure they did that on purpose. <laughs> what do you think of that, Rodrigo? Yeah. I think it looks good. Um, although I was just because of the angle of, of the picture, I just kind of got really stuck on his bottom eyelids, which yeah, look yeah, yeah. really puffy. He's so I was very distracted by that. Like He's if you crying. say. Yeah, if you were like, okay, Rodrigo, now that you've seen this costume, try to redraw it. it w- I would mostly just draw a man who's been crying and then like a vague flash costume around yeah. them. It's got some funky knee pads with the like a the I, ribbed kind of stuff. I love well, that was a that was the name of my dance troupe in uh, <laughs> ribbed knee pads. <laughs> well, Flash has always had those really deeply ridged boots, and I'm I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, you know, those. Remind me of the ridges on the boots from the Silver Age. Oh, on so the I'm tread? Hoping. Yeah. Yeah, that'd have been cool the if big, those are in there. The big, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope they are. They won't be. But the, the boots look like they're just boots that he that he got somewhere, which is interesting. Well, but mm-hmm. so you know, this, when, you, when you look at the superhero costume, though, don't you mm-hmm. like it better that the, that the hero sits down and either sews it himself or cobbles it together oh. from a bunch of uh, army surplus parts? As if opposed it looks good, to, I could not possibly care less. It, as, it as depends because <laughs> it, it depends seems... on the hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if this this is Barry Allen, right? Right, right, right. Think so. so. So he's a scientist. Um, he's bound. I mean, the in the old Flash TV show, um, they explain it by it being some experimental suit that already exists. Right. I right. didn't. I didn't really have a problem with that origin story for the costume well i guess it's the i guess i have a problem with a lot of superheroes where it's um oh i'm struck by a bolt of lightning and i have superpowers and then smash cut i'm in this cool super suit and there's i think the origin of a suit is often as cool as the origin of the character Mm -hmm. i was very bothered by the raimi spider-man suit because when he took off his mask which happened about four times a a movie Mm -hmm. it never seemed like he could put his mask back on because it looked like it took six guys in a keg of yeah. uh, Vaseline to get Toby into the, the vacuum-sealed little suit. And there are people who have that fetish, and don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. But it never felt like Spider-Man made that himself and put it on. Yeah. Because there are stories where Peter Parker yeah, Peter Parker it. learned how to sew mm-hmm. and learned how to screen print mm-hmm. to do his own costume. 
And cool. you know that to me is 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 okay, but I don't know if I if I would say that that's the make or break of a superhero costume for me. Hmm. I just think it's I interesting like to the see the origin earpieces. of the costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very. Flat. I like the earpieces and the way they look here because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't go with the classic faucet handle look, but they also seem to <laughs> maybe work better in live action, at least based on these two angles that we've seen thus what if, far. What if that's just spray painted long johns? I'm fine with it. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That'd be really you cool. get long johns and you get that stuff that they use to line the bed of trucks. Yeah. And yeah, you yeah. cover your long johns with that with that bed liner. And then you're like, boom. I am a little and I can't tell, it may be my monitor. I am a little bit wondering if it's actually as maroon as it seems, rather it than is being pretty red, dark. red. It's pretty dark. It yeah. is pretty dark. It looks I kind think, of Merlot, I think that's, kind of a yeah, and I think that's what they're gonna go with. Like, you can't have like, you can't dark. have a bright color in a yeah, superhero yeah. costume nowadays. If you look at your uh, latest Superman stuff, like the costume is basically a bluish gray. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And even and Iron Iron Hero is, is a dark, is a, is a dark super dark totally gray. show, anyways. Yeah, yeah. So it makes and sense my, for that. You know, my Chrysler is exactly that same color, so it's not like I hate it. But <laughs> I'm used to Barry Allen being, you know, the the vermilion bright. kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. crimson flash. You know they don't. They don't call him the Scarlet Speedster for nothing. And now, yeah. If you if you look at the symbol, the inside of the symbol is a brighter red. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm guessing that yeah, we're gonna be looking at a maroon flash. That's that's an enamel, which I which I think is a band. I the maroon flash. Yeah, Adam uh, Levine. But I I I can't wait for the first guy to complain that the inside of the uh, uniform logo should be white. Yeah. yeah. Hey, wait a minute. The inside of that uh, emblem should be white. Yeah, I'm waiting for it. So uh, speaking because of darkness. every time these things come up, people are like, no. Yeah, I think they've gotten used to that. I'm just, but, uh, I, I, I'm just waiting to see uh, what kind of ring it comes out of. That's what I yeah, want to see. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be a big ring. Do you guys think the texturing be- is weird? It's the... I mean, you see that uh, with the uh, current Amazing Spider-Man. You see yeah. that with every. You saw Part it. of it is it's the same angle, thing. It I looks think. the same texture as the Superman costume. Yeah, I didn't think it was that weird either. But I always just hear or we see people on the internet talking about the texture of a costume, and then I start thinking, it was like all of my clothes are textured. It's like I don't think. No, it's but see, in comics jump. though, you can't you can't show they a fine right. hatch pattern all over the costume because it'd look like crap. Right. right. Well, they might be able to. It, you might be able to pull it off, but you wouldn't be able to do it consistently. Not consistently. The you, reason why superhero it, costumes are right. big, big blotches of color is because in 1939 you had a four-color printing system, right. and your hero had his own trademark red, blue, or green, blue, or blue, black, and that's that's how you visually distinctified, however that word should be, distinguished the character from other characters on the page, but. As long would, as it doesn't always look like the same texture, I'm kind of fine with it. It's, it it's interesting. Weird. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Rogio. Uh, it, it's interesting to think about that precisely because of that history, because uh, superhero costumes come from a medium that generally doesn't do texture very well, uh-huh. um, at, least, at least in American comics. I think if you look at Japanese comics, a lot yeah. of the time it's like texture city. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Um, except of course for the actual protagonist, that's a big generalization. <laughs> but um, uh, so when you try to translate that, it's you know you think and you're like, oh, what's with all these textures? But the fact of the matter is, is that cloth has texture, mm-hmm. yes. so they have to select textures that make sense 
having basically no um, no frame of reference, which is, yeah. I think, why, you know, if you look at Batman, Batman looks like he's made out of plastic. Right. Uh, Spider-Man looks like he's regulated by the NBA and, <laughs> and, and Flash looks like he's wearing long johns. Right. It's because they have to kind of make decisions on these textures and pick the ones that make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that in, you know, at different angles with different lighting, I think the texture is going to be a lot less divisive to people. Sure. Because, I mean, they, they clearly have on the shoulders and the arms, they have the, you know, the really heavy lighting and you've got the light behind it. Action, this, this could look phenomenal. I hope it has a belt. It's hard I to can't tell, tell in if picture. it has I can't a tell belt. in this picture. I'm sure in a couple of days we'll see another another picture. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That'd be nice. Uh, but it is kind of dark and brooding. And speaking of dark and brooding, Batman. Arkham Knight. We get our first trailer for that game. And is this the last? Is this the last Batman Arkham series this that we're going to get? Last oh, God, in the Arkham. No. Yeah, it is. They already, they said this no. is the, this is the last one. No. Well, because the, see, they switched uh, studios from the oh, last that's game. Right. They that's switched right. for Arkham Origins. They switched to a different studio to create it. And so this is their second one. And they've said we're done. After this, we can't deal with the making, pressure of working with Batman. They're making their, their biggest um, map space to explore and i'm glad i waited because ps4 right ps4 and xbox one next only next gen only next gen consoles Uh, the trailer looks good but you know the game the video game doesn't look as good as these trailer graphics do they well no these are these are these are the cutscenes. yeah animation the animation the graphics will look good the little bruce wayne growing up thing. no no that was 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 the third one that was was the third one that was see that was only Four or five months ago, yeah, the last yeah. game came out, mm-hmm. and this one comes out uh, later six months this or year. Something. Yeah, so I mean, they, Video these, games they smash these. So, but you get the Batmobile in this game; you can drive that around for the first time. So that's gonna be sweet. I can't wait. I'm excited. I'm hoping that's the good. controls aren't too hard. Well, I'm sure you'll. Catch I'm on. old. You'll I'm, catch on. I'm, I'm really, old. I'm really hoping that uh, in this game they uh, institute like a, a money system. About like how ex- and there's just like this counter of how much it costs to be Batman. So you have to spend like an equal number at like Wayne Enterprises, like basically playing Farmville, like moving your assets around so you can make the money to be Batman. Hmm. I uh, that I'll be right, be Rodrigo awesome. Lopez, 2014. Awesome. I have been playing Plants versus Zombies Garden Warfare. I think I mentioned that last week. Yeah. They have a system in that where you you get coins for completing levels and killing the zombies and all that stuff. And then you use that to buy packs that are kind of like uh, game card packs, booster packs. And inside that are additional plants and features that you can get to help equip your arsenal because mm-hmm. you actually deplete. So you start out with like four pea shooters and four whatevers. And each time you use them, they're gone. They don't go with you to the next level or anything mm-hmm. like that. So you deplete them when you use them. And so you use your coins to buy these packs that will give you a, a you know, the, the bonk choice or the uh, fro- uh, frozen peas or anything sure. like that. It's kind of an interesting system where you have to kind of think ahead of, do I waste my resource now with the hopes that we're going to clear this level or do I save it for another game sometime later? Now you do get enough coins to basically you play two, two uh, rounds uh-huh. and you're going to get enough coins to buy another pack, but you can't guarantee that you're going to replace all the things that you've and uh, I'm going to take a stretch and say there is a microtransaction. No, system. there isn't. There isn't. There isn't. There isn't. You can't at go least buy I coins. haven't found it. I, at least I haven't found that. Oh, that's nice. But the most expensive do. one, and I think this is what's going to encourage people to continue to play the game, 
is like 40,000 for uh, the highest pack that you can buy mm-hmm. in that in that set. So it's a but I mean I had something like 10,000 after about five or six rounds of of gameplay. Okay. So it's it's cool, but I do like that idea of having what you're saying Rodrigo, you have to earn the money from your company to uh, get the new uh yeah, infrared like, night vision. So like the last cowl. I think Origins takes place in one night. So you have to play for like 3 days of the the months leading up to that night to be Batman to make enough money. If you just don't, you have to start yep. the whole game yep. over again. Yep. That'd be awesome. You it you have to yeah, you have to build up your resources <laughs> or maybe it's the other way around is like you play the first level and it's like this is how much you're in the hole. <laughs> And then you you have to spend like have to spend you, like you threw six away days. fifty thousand batarangs, yeah. you fool. Yeah, exactly. And like the like during the game, it doesn't like necessarily tell you that. So you're like jumping around, shooting batarangs, <laughs> like gas grenades everywhere, mm-hmm. punching, like getting shot constantly. <laughs> getting your, your cape getting ripped yeah. every five seconds. Yeah, taking off taking off your cape and putting it back on and. Getting a different cape and getting some like <laughs> jetpack thing, blowing the jetpack up, and then it's like later on, like you get the bill, and that's how much time you have to spend that win enterprises. Sitting in board um, meetings, like, sitting yes. in board meetings, moving your assets around, and like there's doing, like you have doing you have options. evaluations. Yeah, you have options. Like Don't a guy named Powers, a guy named Powers comes along, and he's like, "So, would you like to become partners?" And blah blah, and then you do, <laughs> and then it's. <laughs> And, and that's and how you unlock you, the Batman Beyond skin. Yeah, that's 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 exactly how you unlock the Batman Beyond suit. <laughs> Is there an option to sell some of your Wayne family heirlooms to make more cash? Your mom's old yeah. necklace. Yeah, your, your pearl necklace and stuff. No, there, mom's, your there mom's is. hairbrush. <laughs> Dude. Uh, there's there's also like there there's also an option to like get tax breaks by purchasing awesome. orphanages, which is where you get your robins <laughs> from. <laughs> it's important because you need yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, like having a robin around like cuts down on your cost to a certain degree because it's like another person like doing stuff for you. Yeah. Um and then if, if that one dies, you can just get a new orphanage sure, and get a new right. robin. But you gotta pay it. for the, the all the paperwork and court hearings. And you do. But it, but but it's a tax break. Yeah, tax break. Yeah. True. It would depend. And it's it's a lot. So for every orphanage you buy, you get like ten new batarangs. Yeah, yeah. Basically, I mean, you have and a sidekick. Yeah. Yeah, I like this game a lot. This should happen. Yeah, good luck with that. Grand Theft Auto, you run around and you find health packs. Yeah, sure. In in Grand Theft Batman, you run around and you find orphanages and you walk through (laughs) and you get a sidekick and then you go out and you're like pew 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 and you destroy like a Batmobile and you're down fifty grand and Robin is dead. So you go find another orphanage and you buy it. Mm -hmm. You get a new sidekick. You get a new Batmobile and you like get to line up all the the kids in the orphanage and like see all their stats and see who you want to adopt. (laughs) Like who's the strongest? You you say Grand Theft Batman. You say Grand Theft Batman, but you know the the fact that this is a huge world and you're yeah. driving oh, around and, and with the guess that there are different missions depending on where in the world you're at. Sure. Oh, I oh, can't wait for this. I play game Grand to come Theft Auto. Come My out? idea Do you know? December or something. Of course it's December. It's a long time. A long time from now. You know, something that happened this past week that most, I think most of our listeners are probably aware of if they uh, opened up their Comixology uh, app today uh, for new comic book sure. day and tried to download something, they probably said, oh, your password doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Comixology got hacked, and they're requiring everyone to uh, change their password. So if you haven't done that, go and do that. 
takes a couple of minutes. I think they've got all their problems resolved. I felt kind of bad for Comixology because this is last year or two years ago. They did that whole Marvel 99, you know, free mm-hmm. comics and it, they flooded the servers and crashed the servers. And then they go back mm-hmm. to South by Southwest again this year and they get hacked and yeah. it's a big mess. It's going to turn into like the Sports Illustrated curse. You just don't go to South by Southwest anymore. Is that you what happened up, to Sports Illustrated? Well, there's always there's that curse of if you get up on if you in your team ends up on the cover, then you're not going to win the March Madness or the Super Bowl or something. Or if you if a player ends up on the cover, then that can't be hurt. right. It happens. So what's going to happen to uh, to the girl who's the swimsuit model covers? What happens to them? Oh, what she's, never, she's never going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? Don't go to South by Southwest. What we're saying is you get you get you, uh, you get weird viruses in your system. Oh my god, it is so you expensive can't. to go to South by Southwest. You, it's so long. Why is I it sent, like a week? It's like a week. It's almost two weeks. That's insane. We sent Ron. Then you he you went have to on, run through the cornfield away from the plane. He <laughs> left last Wednesday. He left last Wednesday, and he doesn't come back until I think after spring break. Because there's three Holy different crap. there's three different things. There's the you know there's this music track, technology mm-hmm. track, movie track, all of them. To, and then there's a student track that I guess took place the week before he went down. So, so it's what's almost he like doing? A, they're just panels and stuff. That's what he's doing, I think, wow. and just checking things out. And he yeah. wants to get re- revitalized, but it's expensive for this trip. It's like over five grand. Ooh. To go down there. Does he and get to wear a Mexican wrestling match in his I don't, panels? I, no, he's not on any panels. And you're not wearing any did he go to the, Mexican did he wrestling Did he go to the Diamond Club either. party? I don't know. Rodrigo because would, one of the, would, would back me on this. No. Um, no, there was an option, one of those ticket things where you do get to go to like barbecues and mm-hmm. hang out with people on these things. I don't think we opted for no. that package. Well, I think the Diamond Club one was, uh, you didn't have to have a badge to go to it. I think they were just having it at a bar. Oh, okay. It was, it's like $1,200 for the ticket for what we got him. That's how expensive <laughs> it is. Like four I would I would like to go to a South by Southwest, but man, things become so expensive, and I don't know how a lot of these cosplayers do it. Well, of course, some of the more famous ones are invited to come out and uh, sponsored. They get, they mm-hmm. get sponsorships, and of course, merchandise is a big deal. So they're you know they're selling stuff at their at their table in something that I'm working on and trying to get uh, some panel set up. That's some of the things that have been asked: is well, are you going to fly me out? Are you going to pay for my airfare? You know, how many people are going to be there? Because then they can calculate in, will they be able to recoup their cost from, you know, like a, a merch table mm-hmm. uh, sales? And right. uh, yeah, it comes, it, it kind of becomes a, a big deal. I mean, I'm just going to, oh, I forgot to mention this. I'm going to be on a panel this weekend. If you're yeah, in Kansas I, City, if you're in Kansas City, uh, the weekend of whatever it is, the 16th, I will be right. at Planet Comic Con. I think Rob said he was going to Planet Comic Con, wasn't yeah, he? he? Is. He's going to go for multiple days. I'm only going for that Sunday, and I'm really just going to do a pop-in, pop-out. But I am sitting on an academic panel, an educational panel, uh, this Sunday, 1 o'clock, about Star Wars and pop culture, and American pop culture. (laughs) And um, we're just going to kind of, me and the two other instructors that are teaching this class, are going to kind of give an overview of the course and and why Star Wars is such, so important to study from a, a pop culture historical culture uh standpoint i don't know how i think it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be a disaster maybe because <laughs> we haven't we haven't even sat down to talk about what we want to well, present well from that pitch how could i not go oh i know and I know, if you do man. go make sure you stop and say hello well uh i'd like to, to see remember. some people out there but I'm i'm literally going getting up sunday morning at like 6 a.m driving out there i guess i still need to buy I better buy a ticket because i don't think i get a, i don't think i get to. a ticket what? even though i'm presenting there's no free pass for this guy 
you may you may get a ticket. So I'll but, get uh, a ticket. I'll go to the panel, do my presentation, run up and down Bartle Hall really quick, mm-hmm. and then get Is back in, in my Bartle car and drive year? back. It's been in Bartle for the last couple of years. I guess they've grown so big that they've uh, outgrown the Overland Park Convention Center. Did you go to well, Planet Comic Con a couple of years no, ago? No, I... We took Matthew was, about four or five years ago. I was going ago. to go last year because, like, Scott Snyder and a bunch of guys. Oh, gonna, Scott Snyder's there again this year. Yeah, yeah. There's a, they get some pretty big names coming to Kansas City. Uh, but no, I didn't end up going and not going this year. Planet Comic Con this year has some very fascinating guests. Like I said, uh, Scott Snyder is there. Uh, creator guests at Planet Comic Con. This is like a total free plug for them. Jason Aaron, <laughs> Neil Adams, Terry Beatty, Darwin Cook, who I'm really interested in seeing, but that's a ticketed event. Terry um, Beatty's awesome. Uh, la, 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 la. Phil Hester is Steven Schleicher. Steven Schleicher. Um, <laughs> no, believe me, I'd be at the bottom of the list. James Robinson will be there. Greg Rucka, Tim Sale, Scott Snyder, Jim uh, Thompson, Mike Worley, and of course, a lot of the Kansas City creators will be there. Freddie Williams the third. Um, I'm pretty sure he's there. Let me double check. Better check before I say his name. He's usually at these. Yeah, Freddie Williams the second will be there. Mm, uh, Mike not Worley, his, no, not the third, not the third, the okay. second. Um, and then uh, Tony Moore is usually there. So let's see if he's there. I think it's J.H. Williams III. Oh, B. Clay, Moore, B. Clay Moore and Tony Moore are there, as are the Moy brothers, some of my favorite artists when it comes to uh, Legion of Superheroes people. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a really good show, and it's one that's kind of – this is what I like about this, the, the Planet Comic Con. Maybe you guys who have seen this at some other conventions – in Denver, Conic- uh, Denver and, and um, Salt Lake City are a little bit weird in that they started out really small and then all of a sudden just overnight, kaboom, exploded, right? I mean, literally two uh, the second year, first year of the Salt Lake City Comic-Con and they're like the third largest Comic-Con of that part of the year, mm-hmm. um, which is amazing. Planet Comic-Con, I remember going to like uh, a community rec the center community gym. Center. Yeah, the community yes. center. And I used to uh-huh. go down there and it was super small. And then they moved it over to, and then like a couple of years later, they moved it over to the uh, Johnson County um, Convention Center. And that's when I got to meet Peter Mayhew. And it was a bigger place. I got to meet, um, oh, what's his name that did a lot of the Teen Titans uh, stuff? Um, Marv Wolfman. Marv Wolfman. Yeah, Mar- Marv Wolfman. Got to meet him, uh, talk with him for a little bit. And then, you know, they did that for a while. And then I think the last time that they were at that Overland Park Convention Center, Matthew, was probably when we were there, when uh, we got to meet Gail Simone and uh, Francesco Francovilla. You got to meet Gail. Oh, that's right. I I got to meet Gail Simone. (laughs) I remember going to the rec center, though, and getting Steve Gerber to sign my copy of Adventure into Fear number 19. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's kind of cool. So have you guys and there seen was nobody other... there, so I'm like, let's talk Howard the Duck, Steve Gerber. I know, and I remember uh, I met uh, Bill Willingham multiple times mm-hmm. at those. It, conventions are really cool, especially small conventions. San Diego Comic-Con, yeah, you can meet people at their booths or in Artist Alley. But, I mean, when you go uh, to, um, well, the last time Matthew and I went, um, and Cullen Bunn will be there, the creator of Six Gun, and who's writing uh, some oh, Marvel titles oh, now, oh, he's oh. going to be there again. And uh, you just go up to these people and hang out and talk to them. Mm -hmm. And they're really cool. And and I think you get closer interactions with smaller shows like uh, Planet Comic Con and, um, um, you know, uh, Baltimore Comic Con than you can at other places. Yeah. And if you listeners, every time I go, I always want to cosplay. Because people are all like, there was a woman who was there in her her Hawk Girl costume. Yeah, that was a pretty cool costume. And I'm just like, 
you are awesome. I want to do what you do. I follow. But then I start thinking, you know, who am I going to be? Fred Flintstone? No, you could go as. That'd be awesome. <laughs> you could go that as Bouncing Boy. If you, if you say Fred J. Dukes, I will come through the no, internet. I, uh, bouncing Boy, you could go as Bouncing Boy. He's your favorite hero. Chuck Tay. He's not he, my favorite hero. I have many favorites. You heroes. could go as Wolverine. Um, oh, that'd be cool. I you would can, be. Oh, you can go as Captain Caveman. He's a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> and, all, and all you would need is like a giant. A giant club. And then just comb yeah, your mullet yeah. over forwards, and there you go. <laughs> yeah, just, 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 yeah, just comb down yeah. your hair all the way down. <laughs> a comb over, Stephen? Comb yeah. over for your mullet, yeah. Oh. Let us get to some Where reviews. And, oh, 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 and you can get the same costume for your daughter, except for the little ball cap. <laughs> <laughs> and she can be KV Jr. I'm yeah, with you. There you go. Well, where am I going to get three hot girls to follow me around? Yeah, that's that's the yeah, problem. Well, you can get Zach and mm-hmm. um, Rob, Rob and First of all, Brian. I said hot. Second whoa, whoa, of all, whoa. I said girls. I'm a nice piece of I'm, meat. <laughs> you know what, Zachary? <laughs> Zachary, you you might be cute in sort of that that Ben Vereen sort of way. That, uh, let's get to know, some reviews. That young Fred Rogers mystique. Let you us get have, to some reviews. Reviews. <laughs> Out this week from uh, Dynamite Entertainment, Six Million Dollar Man. Now they had a they had their Bionic Man series that was written by Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is actually the Six Million Dollar Man season six number one. So you know, B- uh, wow. Buffy the Vampire Slayer has done this. Mm-hmm. Um, what are they up to? Season twenty five or whatever. X Files season they're ten. They're doing that. 10. They're doing that now with the X Files. So they're doing it with the Six Million Dollar Man. So this does feature the likenesses of Oscar uh, Goldman and. Uh, Steve Austin from the from the television it series. Does. It does. And then it looks pretty cool. And this one also ties in to the television series. They make a pointed reference to uh, what was it? Death Droid, the uh, v- uh, Russian Venus probe. Right. So that's the in Venus there. Probe. They make references to uh, the Bigfoot episode or the return of Bigfoot episode. <laughs> nice. And they also bring toys into the six million dollar man continuity because we get our uh, the introduction of Maskotron. Maskotron! Maskotron makes his debut Dude. in this issue. I wanted Maskotron. You want to, you want to, so, so, so we've got a reference boy. to Death Droid. We got a reference to Bigfoot. We've got, um, um, what's his face, uh, likeness in the book. Oscar Goldman's, uh, uh Lee Majors. Lee Majors' likeness is in this book. If you want another yes. one, if you want another one that will sell mm-hmm. this book to you and I will end my review there is Steve Austin punches a shark and the text and the text sounds that go with it is na 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 and then he kicks a shark it was a fun book it is out this week jim uh kuhurik is the writer juan antonio ramirez is the artist the art is great by the way I'm not going to give does, you the, does, the whole storyline away, but I've told you enough. Shark in the water. Oh, this and this is a this is a direct tie to that to the death droid because uh, the main thing is that U.S. was so offended that the Russians tried to send a probe to Venus that they sent a probe to Venus and it's come back and so they're trying to get this probe out of the out of the water. So um, that's all you need to know. A lot of fun, uh, great art. It's really feels like a. Where you're picking up from the 1970s was it 74 or whatever it was? Um, six million dollars, 76. The six million dollar man is celebrating its 40th anniversary this year. 
And I think you guys should go pick up this book. Oh, I'm giving it, it have four, four slices of meatloaf out of five for the $6 wow. million dollar man. Season six, number one, <laughs> just, just for the, and I don't want to say kookiness value, but the, the, the sheer, wow, they really tied this into the television show <laughs> and made it feel like you were watching a seventies television show. Nice. It's really Does Maskatron cool. look like John Saxon from Enter the Dragon still? Uh, Maskatron looks like a robot without a face. And then in the last panel, he has a face. <gasps> Is it the face of John Saxon from Enter the Dragon? No, it's not. You don't even know what I'm talking about. I do, but it's not that. Why I oughta. Matthew, what did you review this uh, last week? Oh, I reviewed a lot of things for the website, but I'm about to review a DC comic. You are. You hardly From ever DC do that. DC comics. Yeah, I know. I only do that like I don't know all the time. Uh, number ten, issue number ten of the movement. And this is by this is Gail the last Simone. last issue or not the last issue? Not the last issue. I want to say eleven or twelve. Possibly eleven is the last issue. But yeah, this is one that it has been canceled sometime in the future. This issue is the second part of a crossover with Batgirl. Oh, yay, Batgirl. Gail, Gail Simone's other character. And during the first part of the crossover, which I'm going to be honest with you, I'm behind in my reading. I'm not sure if it's the movement number nine or Batgirl 29, mm -hmm. but there was some fighty fighty. And the movement have actually knocked Batgirl out. Wow. And they're preparing to unmask her and take pictures of her face to blackmail her. Mm, is this part of Forever and Evil? No. Hmm. The movement are, are heroes of, of uh, Coral City. Yeah, I remember reading the first and issue. As they reach for her mask, Barbara Gordon opens her eyes. She's lying on the floor. Someone's about to unmask her. And all she sees is the face of the Joker. Uh-oh. And Batgirl flips the F out. And she literally comes up like a hurricane she, she comes at him. She goes all coyote on the freeway and beats all of the movement down, just smacks the crap out of every last one of them, breaks the leader's nose and is totally, she's like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> but it's a fascinating moment because she has come to Coral City chasing after a villain named Horizon. Horizon has killed police officers. One of the movement, a character named Catharsis, is a police officer. And you'd think that if Catharsis gets her hands on Horizon, something's going to happen, right? Right? Oh, I mean, yeah, right. Sure, sure, sure. Right, right, sure, uh, yeah. Stay with me here. Okay. And she gets her hands on, uh, Catharsis gets her hands on Horizon and something totally happens. They totally do it. And I, I was really, on, on the really dock. not expecting that. No. So she takes like cigarettes in the air. Oh, catharsis can fly. Oh, see. okay. Well, that's interesting. I haven't seen but that happen before. Yeah. The thing about the movement that I really love is that they're so weird. Uh, they're not really traditional superhero types. They actually, they have a headquarters called the sweatshop. And what they do is the disenfranchised and the homeless and the people of Coral city who are being abused. They teach them new skills. They give them a place to stay. They give them food. You know, they, <laughs> They, they try they to force take them to make their, their costumes. Yes, that's what it is. That's why they call it the sweatshop. <laughs> but this whole issue is fascinating because it ends up with Batgirl and the movement 
teaming up to end up having a conflict with one of the members of the movement who now has the hots for the villain who came to town after killing people. And it's really fascinating to watch the characters moving and to see the allegiances change the way they do. It's really complex. And I'm not usually a fan of Freddie Williams II on art because I can, I find him occasionally a little too, I use the word bloopy. Have you ever seen how he draws, though? He, like, draws by looking in a mirror. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, he's got this little mirror that he sketches and he's looking into and constantly looking to check and see. Yeah. What what better way to sketch a human face than to have one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying he's a bad artist by any means, but... He sketches and flip it up and look and flip back down. Yeah. It's really weird. I like him better here because he's doing his own inks. He's doing full art. And this really is pretty strong issue. Three and a half slices of meatloaf. Um, it's got some uncomfortable moments in it where one of the movement has a crush on the other one and she has to let him down easily. Mm. And she's like, I'm asexual. And he's like, asexual what? <laughs> Which is you know, a really, really great line. The sad part for me about this is that the movement getting canceled literally takes um, 60% of the diversity that the new 52 has going yeah, for it off the table. That's sad. I mean, so you've actually got the, the series ends with issue 12. So you've got two more issues 12. after 10, two more issues of this. And I'm hoping they turn up somewhere else because it's fascinating, but it's, it's a really nice balance of characters and it works well with, with Gail Simone's style of everything has humor to it, but it's not a humor book. Life is not necessarily all grim and hateful and filled with rage and uh, I can't remember my head. My parents you know, are dead. And my parents are dead. Barbara's parents are alive. My mother is somewhere, but, yeah. but she's been written out of the series. It's okay. She's uh, she's in Whatever happened, what happened to Barbara's? Oh, she got her finger cut off by her brother. That's right. That's right. And Barbara's father is now all like, I'm her father. <laughs> my parents are dead. You know, it's it's there's a there's a darkness that, frankly, it's a it's a long story that I don't want to go into. And the DC universe has a lot of just brutal, yeah. brutal grimness going on. And this is a book that has the adult themes, it has the darkness, it has everything to it, but it's also got some joy and some fun and some moments in it that really are unique. And it's going to make me sad to see it go. So, um, Gail Simone says, you know, people who are fans of this book are really, really fans of this book. But the problem was that they just didn't have the sales numbers for it to right. succeed. And that's why they're canceling, not out of spite or anything like that. Um, out of rage. Yeah. And Batman's bad that's kind of sad. I mean, I didn't care. I didn't care for the first issue. People can go back to dueling review. I adore Gail Simone a lot, but this was a book that just didn't hit it for me. And I'm sad yeah. that it's gone because, you know, it is, it is difficult for fans when they find something that they love, whether it be Firefly or whether it be, you know, the movement or whether it be, I don't know, uh, Power Rangers, uh, to the see those stripes, the white stripes, to see those go away and not have yeah. any more original content mm-hmm. from that. So no more white stripes. Yeah. But you know what? If you like Gail Simone and you like her writing, go check out what she's doing with uh, Red Sonia. That stuff is pretty cool. <laughs> So Movement, that's out uh, last week from DC Comics. That is out last Wednesday, yep. Out this week from Top Cow, 
one of Rodrigo's most favorite characters of all time, Witchblade, 173. One of my most favoritest characters, which means I have spent time reading three or four books with her in it. <laughs> three or four? Yeah. Um, which oh, only topped by the X-Men in the seven books that I've read with them in it. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is Witchblade 173, um, which is, I believe, issue four of the current arc. Mm, okay. Um yeah. So the what's going on here is that uh, Sarah Pizzini, uh, often uh, known as the Witchblade, although she's not, she's kind of like um, the bearer of the Witchblade. She, yeah, she's the bearer of the Witchblade. Actually, it's it's kind of an issue because I would say that one hundred percent of Top Cow properties, um, at least the ones that are still kicking around. The name of the comic is not even what the main character calls themselves. It's usually some kind of power that they're tied to. So the Witchblade is not a comic book about Witchblade. The Angelus is also a power. The Darkness is also a power. The Magdalena is an organization, so on and so forth. And Um, Aphrodite X is just kind of creepy. Well, uh, that's actually probably one where it actually fits. Uh, Aphrodite IX is, in fact... Or nine, I guess, is actually a uh, a comic about a sexy robot named Aphrodite Nine. Um, so uh, this arc is kind of about uh, Sarah getting rid of the Witchblade or having gotten rid of the Witchblade, um, except for a little tiny sliver of it. Um, but uh, then the uh, the Angelus comes down, or the current head of the Angelus host whose name I don't actually remember so we'll just we'll just call her Die Hard um, okay <laughs> come yeah we'll Isn't call her Die Hard yeah it's it's uh, she's Die Hard the girl with the witch blade is Jaws um, <laughs> so she comes down and uh, she steals the witch blade or uh, she steals like uh, 75% of the witch blade um, and now, um, basically, this issue is kind of a setup for the incoming conflict uh, between uh, Sarah and the the Angelus slash Witchblade at this point. Um, and it, it's largely like a big part of the comic is taken up by a very hostile job interview as uh, Sarah's trying to get her old job back. Um, it's it's interesting. It's a you know, there's not a lot of action in it. Um, it's, this is a big, uh, big chunk of exposition, um, that is presumably going to lead us into the next arc. Um, I haven't read the, the, the previous four issues of this arc, so I'm kind of wondering what they're about. Like, I, because, um, basically I just jump in and out of uh witchblade comics every once in a while just to check in with the character again but it's like this really reads like a number one issue oh really interesting Um, so it's it's very surprising um unless uh, unless this is the the born again arc is, is a super arc and this is like issue one of part four it's it's weird um but uh yeah the art is really good 
I'm into it. Um, sometimes the color is weird. Sometimes uh, Sarah looks blonde, um, which is strange. Um, it, her like her hair color doesn't seem very consistent. And I think I I, I think part of what they 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 want to do here is like uh, you know different lighting will make make her hair look different. But sometimes it looks a little too different in between mm-hmm. shots. Mm-hmm. So that I found that uh, confusing because there's a blonde character and art wise, like her hair's short, but if it's a close up, like their faces are not that different. So I was sometimes get sometimes got a little confused between them. Um, other than that, the art is good. Um, there's a big scary shots of heaven. And this is top cow heaven where there's a lot of killer angels that want to stab you. Right. Um, so that's fun. Um, all around, I'll give this three and a half slices of meatloaf. I'm interested in what's going on. Um, it seems that uh, basically uh, the, at, at some point they uh, in the Top Cow universe were like, hey, you know, those three big things that we have, let's just intertwine them. And from then on, the storyline has largely um, revolved around the darkness, the Witchblade and the Angelus kind of uh playing a, a game of I guess kind of a weird three-way tug of war I don't know mm-hmm. um, arm wrestling can you can you arm wrestle two people I don't know you can but I wouldn't yeah well glad, the witchblade's uh, trying to I'm glad top cow sent us the sneak peek and shared it up on the site because you saw it I don't know if you saw the preview but you saw witchblade 173 and you said you wanted to review it I also saw from the preview and I said I want to read it and so mm-hmm. um, I like the fact that we're spreading those sneak peeks out across the website so more people can be, you know, because if we just clumped all the top cow or all the image stuff into one post, yeah, you probably would never go in there and, and see the the preview for, I don't know, yeah. the Mercenary C or whatever yeah. that comes out this week. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a good call and uh, it allows uh, readers on the website to. You know, to even even if they're not seeing it, they think to themselves, oh, you know what comic I liked way back in the day? Ghost. I'm going to see what's going on mm-hmm. with yep. ghost stuff on the website. And no. you can find previews. You can find reviews. You can find podcasts in which we've talked about it. Yep. Um, so that's so that's cool. Yep. Um, so, yes. Uh, oh, one last thing. If you haven't like if the last time you saw any of any Witchblade comics was in the 90s. You should know that although there are still a lot of shapely women, for a, for a good long while now, um, they their costumes have been a lot more or a lot less ridiculous. Um, <laughs> for a long time, even when there were two Witchblades, you maybe got a little cleavage out of the deal, but generally you see uh, Sarah Pizzini in basically full body armor yeah. rather than... Uh, and something that's, that looks and like that's uh, what's his name, Stephen Sejic, Sejic or whatever. Yeah, Stephen Sejic. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think he was yeah. responsible for he that. He does. He does the covers, um, and he's and he does a lot of covers for uh, Top Cow, and they're fantastic. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of his art. Um, so uh, yeah, if you if you like those covers, I actually really recommend looking him up online. Um, as well because he's got some great art and he actually does like little um, kind of web comics I guess on his DeviantArt page oh cool um, that are like they reference DC superheroes and they reference Marvel superheroes so he's got, he's actually got a lot of that stuff going on I think it's pronounced Sajak and the first name is pronounced Pat yeah I'm that's sure probably that's what, what it is, is. alright yeah. 
Cool. Thank you, Rodrigo. That's Witchblade 173 out this week from Top Cow slash Image Comics. Zach, you've got a book out this week from Boom Studios. I think it was actually last week. Oh, is this last week? I think well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is one with the fists in the air and the mm-hmm, things on fire. Mm-hmm. I know that because I saw it on this individual sneak peek over at Majorspoilers.com. Look at that. Boom. There you Spreading go. Spreading preview love around. Uh, so Evil Empire number one came out last week. Uh, I don't remember who it was written by. I don't have the issue in front of me. Max Bemis. There you go. <laughs> uh, so this comic is set now. It's very explicit. This is set now. It's happening now. So that's happening. Uh, we yeah. in, we open up the situ, and there's like, a, like a a dialogue or a monologue coming from some character we never really see about. Uh, you always see. Uh, uh, horrible governments ruling the country, zombie apocalypse, apocalypse, apocalypse happening, and no one ever questions like how we got to that point. We just accept that we're in that scenario, and that's what's happening right now. Like this mm-hmm. is essentially the story. How we get to that point is what I think they're going for. And essentially, a bunch of punks start beating up this dude in a wheelchair. A guy comes to save him. The punks like, oh, l- let's leave. This guy knows what's happening. And then these two armed guards come out of nowhere and start threatening the guy who saved the man in the wheelchair. So I was interested. Snap cut to now, also time, in Washington, (laughs) D.C. Okay. Uh, Then we get this whole long story of the rest of the issue is just this uh, like punk rap girl who is tired of politicians and they all suck. And this politician tries to befriend befriend her like he's liked her music for a long time and uses connections to meet her. And then they're like at a rally and she's talking to some MTV guys, and they're like, oh, you hate politicians, and she's like, yeah, they suck, and like, oh, there's that guy that you met the other day, and he comes up, and uh, they talk, and he's like, yeah, we all suck, and people should listen to her, and then horrible murder happened, and so that kind of part was kind of boring. I didn't really like that part as much. Uh, <laughs> the first three pages of this story were... The part that hooked me, because I want to know what, what what's happening. Why are these guards uh, going against all the nice guys? Eh. Do we find out? No. And then, but then it's, it's all this story of these politicians and um, it, a big surprise at the end of of this guy killed a woman. It was, I mean, it was uh, surprising to a point, but I was like, eh. I've watched House of Cards. I've seen politicians do worse. Okay. <laughs> um, it, it it didn't feel like that part of the story, which took up two thirds of the book, wasn't enough to hook me. It's like I like the the female character. I think some people will probably relate to her. The nice politician dude doesn't seem that interesting. And then the big hook at the end with another politician is mildly interesting. But I think there's a big aspect of this book that I think is going to come up in the next coming issues of what is the government doing and what are these shady things that are happening to control the population, which is why I'm going to return for the second issue because I want to find out about that first uh, chunk of pages. That uh, had me so interested. The art was, the art was, it was okay. It didn't hurt the book at all. At sometimes I liked the um, the line width and strength of the lines. It kind of reminded me of 
there's some pages that reminded me of some like lock and key inks, mm. which I really mm-hmm. liked. Mm-hmm. The rest of it uh, didn't feel like that, but it didn't feel like a huge departure from that. It was just that one page just was really striking. Uh, overall, I wasn't super impressed with Big Empire, but it gave me just that hook at the beginning of a book which is weird because usually you think the end of a book would hook you for the next one but really it was the first three pages and so I'll, I will check out the next issue of uh, this this series but for this one I'm just going to give it uh, two stars two slices of meatloaf yeah two slices of meatloaf two slices stars. of meatloaf for Forget Evil Empire stars. number one from Boom Studios Boom, boom oh Lego update Lego update. Last week I was trying to think of the uh, <laughs> of the Lego Friends sets that I really was taken with, mm-hmm. and I found them. It's the Lego Disney Princesses uh, line. So I went ahead and bought like Cinderella's Castle, mm-hmm. and they've got one for Brave, and they've got one for um, um, the Little Mermaid. I forget there's another one. They don't have a Mulan set, which I think would be really kind of cool Ooh, to do. Cool. Um, but I picked up a couple of those. I'll probably do a future Lego build on one of those just because it Sweet. looks neat Sweet. and, and the, and the little minifigs look cool and everything. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it's cool. And you can check, I did a, a Lego build this uh, past week over on majorspoilers.com, or you can check it out on our YouTube channel, major spoilers video, and you could subscribe to that channel. We'd really appreciate it. If you did that, that way you're up to date on every video that comes out, even if they come out a little early. Yeah. Um, nice. but I did a Lego build of the, Hulk Lab Smash set, which includes a Hulk and a Thor in an AIM laboratory. Mm-hmm. You've got one of those little AIM bots. What are they called, Matthew? The 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 killing machine robot things that AIM has that run around. What do they look like? Uh, yellow with little rockets and four spider legs on them. I think they're just AIM bots. Just AIM bots. That's what are. I thought. Uh, yeah. It's got a Taskmaster with it, which is kind of cool. Ew. But oh, the, that guy can learn all the moves of the other minifigs. There you go. Nice. It's also got the Falcon. Very cool. Which is very cool. <gasps> I it's got love some the Falcon. It's got some red translucent wings, which I think are really cool. And sweet. the best minifig ever, Modoc. Yeah, that thing looks sweet. It does. How do you it, do a Modoc minifig? It's a giant head stuck on a little body. <laughs> and you get to build a little rocket chair for him to fly around in. It is, literally the, it, it is literally the minifig body <laughs> with a head that's like, almost looks like a Duplo head stuck on the, <laughs> on the top. Nice. You can watch that build. It's, you can watch that build. It's over at Major Spoilers Video on the YouTube. That's our YouTube channel. Um, Zach did one on Millennium Falcon. I've got another mm-hmm. one that's coming up. The, the one thing that's bad about that set is it doesn't include any AIM agents or the AIM uh, scientists, which I was really hoping it would include. But the another Thank set you. that I've got a uh, uh, coming up is um, Captain America versus Red Skull set, and it's got a Hydra agent in it. Ooh. And I went online and I bought ten more Hydra agents. <laughs> well, yeah, you'd have to. Yeah, yeah. You gotta. I mean, I mean, you yeah. cut off one head and two more heads. Yes. Grow back well, you know what? The boy is so smart, and I don't know where he read this—some book or something. Because I said, "Oh yeah, it's got Hydra agents." He goes, "Isn't that the one where you cut off the head and another one grows back?" I'm like. Yes, son. Yes, it is. You're very smart. <laughs> Here is a star. Here is a, some candy. Now go get sugared up and bother your mom. <laughs> um, yeah, so go check those uh, videos out at Major Spoilers uh, on the YouTube channel, Major Spoilers Video. At MajorSpoilers.com, they post there. Um, let's do our poll of the week. 
the major spoilers poll of the week, 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 week. I think we spent too much time talking about John Car- Carpenter at the top of the show. Holy crap. John Carpenter <laughs> of Mars. Yeah. John that was, Carpenter that was a terrible of movie. I told you it was a terrible movie. I finally watched it and I was just like, you know, I love the casting choice. The, the casting Deja. wasn't bad. The casting wasn't bad for any of the characters. I love their Deja Torres because she looked like her name should be Torres. Mm-hmm. Everything else. Yeah. Blue-blooded aliens, I all just, that stuff. Yeah, Tars Tarkas was kind of cool. But, but, uh, Tars was terrible, okay, but he was clearly story. clearly a little too CGI. But, man, I kind of wish that their Deja Torres had been dressed like the, you like know, it was in the Rice Burroughs described her. Oh, yeah. yeah exactly. I'd, I'd watch that movie. So, you know, it seems like that it's that type time of the year where people are looking for new jobs, seeking new jobs, taking new jobs, getting fired from jobs. Zach. Yep. I think I fired Zach twice this week and it's already Tuesday. Yeah. Please, Zach. He's it's fired above, me so many average. times. I don't even think I work here anymore. So Eddie in Pittsburgh also has jobs on his mind because he wrote in this week and he wants to know what company would you rather work for? LexCorp or OzCorp? Zach? Oh, man. I think... Oh, I don't have very extensive knowledge. Are they both registered the Better Business Bureau? <laughs> no. I'm, I'm really sure, sure they're both registered with the Better Business Bureau. Okay. They're both publicly Most, traded the, companies. Mostly with the EPA and the CIA and the... Uh, uh, I imagine I'll probably have a low job at either corporation. And I'm scared of Oscorp experimenting on me. Mm, okay. So probably LexCorp. Okay. Uh, I pick LexCorp too because I think that uh, as long as you're not pissing off the owner, you're probably okay, yeah. and you get a you get to deal with some real true research. And I think I think for and I guess both of these companies are the same way. But you know, Lex Luthor is trying to better the human cause, but he's a ton, total xenophobe sure. uh, in the process. Um, yeah, that's one word for it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is that Latin for jack wagon? Cause eh, yeah, sure. Um, so I think for the most part, you'd be okay. And you could work your way up as long as you weren't one of the head of the, one of the research divisions or head of one of the areas, because that's when, you know, you screw up mm-hmm. and he sends his limo driver after you. So I'm going to say LexCorp. I think they probably have a better healthcare package. Probably. Uh, Matthew, what'd you pick? Oh, I utterly disagree. I think LexCorp has the minimum amount of health care coverage allowed by law. Minimum shielding, minimum radiation <laughs> coverage. And it has been shown many times that Lex Luthor is the kind of guy who will pick an employee and treat him like a bug to see how he reacts. You know, I remember the story where he was sitting in the, in the uh, cafe and he offered the married waitress $2 million to sleep oh, yeah, with yeah. him and ruined yep. her life. Yep. Yeah, that what? that to me is what would happen at LexCorp. That to me is endless. Lex Luthor would hit on you for $2 right million. Dollars. To it, well, if I wanted to work for a bald megalomaniac, actually, <laughs> I, I have two of those right now. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I kid, Stephen. I love you. If it weren't for you, I wouldn't be doing this. But more importantly, it at Norman Osborne's joint oscorp lex luthor is a control freak hands-on every inch of the place is under his command and his his total control have you visited the place where i currently work 
Norman Osborn is kind of a lunatic, and everything just kind of flies under the radar. And guys get bitten by spiders and, and attacked by symbiotes. And most importantly, this is the thing. If you live in the Marvel Universe and you make more than four appearances, you will eventually be an Avenger. Oh, you will get superpowers? It is a law. All right, that's kind of cool. It's a law of the Marvel Universe. So I want to work at Oscorp simply because I'm going to get bitten by a radioactive praying mantis. And I'm going to become praying mantis man. Yeah. My only weakness is praying mantis woman. (laughs) So I said Oscorp because Marvel Universe, eventually that inhumanity gas is going to get to me. All right, Rodrigo, what about you? I think that... um uh, I actually think it would be safer to work for LexCorp for a couple of reasons. Um, the first one is that um, it seems that the majority of the stuff that goes on in LexCorp is Lex Luthor's brainchild, right? He comes right. up with crazy ideas right. and probably the way to get to them because he's a super genius. And then he gets his scientists to work out the details. Meaning that you are handed this ridiculous project and you got to work on it or whatever, um, but it's it's not really an issue because you know where all this stuff is coming from. At Oscorp, I, I think Norman Osborn largely contracts out scientists to come up with these crazy weapons and gadgets <laughs> and uh, patents and then goes, hmm, I like that one, but I don't want to pay that guy goblin murder, right? <laughs> um, at LexCorp, there's a clear chain of command. Like, the, the, the patents aren't going to be yours. You have no intellectual claim to them anyway. At Oscorp, you're always running the risk of coming up with something good and then getting a pumpkin bomb to the sternum because of it. Um, so that's that's one reason. The other one is that when Spider-Man or in, in the odd uh, times like Captain America or like Daredevil start busting up uh, Oscorp, um, they're not like they're just like super athletes usually busting up Oscorp, which means yeah. like I'd be in a lot of danger as a scientist there. But when Superman starts busting up LexCorp, you're kind of not in danger because he can like at the speed of sound and yet somehow not disintegrating your body, gather you up, put you outside and protect you um, while he is trying to fight a a, a bald guy in a purple giant suit of armor. Mm. (laughs) So I went with Oscorp. uh, I'm sorry. I went with LexCorp because I think it would be in general, it would be safer. Oslex. Pumpkin murder. Mm -hmm. When you think of Lex Luthor, do you think he's, you think he's more like a, I think he's a Thomas Edison, Henry Ford type industry person, or is he like more of a Mark Cuban, uh, Jeff Bezos, Mark Cuban? Lex um, Luthor, Lex Luthor to me is the, like that genius that is also charismatic kind of thing. Like he's like, like, um, he's like, um, he's actually, he's actually, okay. Michael Douglas's character from Wall Street. He is. He yeah. is the he is Spider Man from the uh, Social Network, you know, like um, oh yeah, yeah, Andrew Garfield, yeah, Andrew Garfield, Garfield character, yeah, yeah, Andrew Garfield, like he's a super smart guy who also knows how to handle people. Mm-hmm. Um, Eduardo, whereas yeah, yeah. yeah. the jerk. Well, he wasn't a. I, I don't think his character was a jerk. was a jerk. But yeah, no, Lex Luthor is a jerk. Oh well, yeah, oh, of yeah, course yeah, yeah. we know that. 
I'm just trying to Ed- Eduardo uh, Rage. His, name, his name was other other Facebook guy. Every yes, other, there other was Mark Facebook Zuckerberg. Guy. There was there was Armin Hammer, and then there was other <laughs> Facebook guy. Yep. How the uh, well, well, let's see here. Some of the comments people made. I voted LexCorp because while Luthor may sometimes be written as a crazy guy, his craziness usually isn't bringing the craziness right to his front door. Osborne seems not to care, care where his crazy happens. That's a Matt. Um, Tech Paradox says, even though both are run by villain types, I see LexCorp as being more of the good guy side of things. After all, when you really think about it, Luthor has a point about wanting to make sure the heroes don't tear things up. Um, Royce McWee Third said he went with Oscorp. <laughs> That's what it says. Royce McWee the third. Royce McWee. Both Lex and Norman Royce have been McQuee. known to kill employees, but you have a better chance of becoming a supervillain working for Oscorp. I'll take superpowers over death every time. Uh, Ditto Yo. says Silver Gray. Hmm. Kirby says LexCorp. I'm an accountant. As long as I don't do something stupid like try to embezzle money from the company, I should be fine. I won't be an R&D guy who Luther may turn into a lab rat. Alicia says what? No Galactic yep. Empire. Clever Lang, the six says, uh, I vote LexCorp. Ray says, I had to go LexCorp. LexCorp, 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 LexCorp. So how did the uh, major spoilers nation vote so far today? This poll went up late because I've been doing some Le- crazy RWJ stuff. LexCorp. <laughs> 82 votes in the bag right now, 67%, which is almost half. Uh, voting LexCorp, only 33% Oscorp. So a two-to-one margin, LexCorp. And... You know, in this case, both of their logos are ugly as hell, so we can't even blame it on a better picture. Well, both of those are from um, the movie. Both of those were from the movies. That's the LexCorp nice, image nice. from well, Man of Steel, why. and that's the Oscorp yeah. logo that we're going to see in the upcoming uh, mm-hmm. Amazing Spider-Man 2, which I can't believe it's just called oh. the Amazing Spider-Man 2. In which in I international can, markets, and I'm it's called that. Amazing Spider-Man 2 Rise of Electro. Oh, is that what it's called? Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Just like, you know, Fantastic Four 2 Rise of the Silver Surfer in America was called <laughs> Listeners, like if you X, want to vote in this X-Men week's poll of the week. 3 was X-Men United. I yeah. Think. yeah. Which, which is interesting X-Men. because it just sounds like a soccer team. Oh, <laughs> X-Men yeah. Oh, my God. They would win the League Cup every year. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to know everything I know about soccer, Rodrigo? Hit me. There is a soccer player named Ashley Williams. Ta-da! That is literally all I know about soccer. Listeners, if you want to vote in this week's Major Spoilers Poll of the Week, just head over to Majorspoilers.com. Click on the little uh, Poll of the Week button, or right there along the right side, you can find the Poll of the Week. You can also find a button to sign up for uh, our email list. We'll send you out an update of some of the big things that happen on the website, and a special message from me every week. I think this week I was praising, oh, this week I was talking about the conventions that we go to mm-hmm. and how people can get involved uh, if they go to conventions. You also, when you sign up, get a free episode of bonus tracks from our <gasps> VIP section Whoa. where Rob, uh, Rodrigo and I sit down and record a bonus tracks, commentary track for Star Wars, A New Hope. Yeah. Yep. Zach was uh, complaining. I saw you complaining earlier about your headphones not working or something. Yeah, man. You know what I would do, Zach? I don't know. Go over to Amazon and buy a really expensive pair? No, 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 no. What I would do is head over to tweakedaudio.com. Hmm, interesting. They have oh. some awesome headphones. They are, they look great. They sound great. They have a built-in microphone, so you can hook it up to your, what do you got, an iPhone? Is that what you got? Yeah. You can hook it up to your iPhone and take calls. Good. Act like an important person. Do a lot of those. Take calls. No, I don't. Best part of it is, is if you use the checkout code MAJOR over at tweakedaudio.com, 
you'll get one third off your price. That's some major savings. That is some major savings from major spoilers and tweakedaudio.com. We thank them for their support. That's right. He did it. He went there. He Mm -hmm. did do it. Good job, Zach. I'm going to turn you into a pitch man yet. Wait, you wait until you see me on HVC soon. <laughs> Only 19 remaining. Please, somebody. <laughs> we started out with 20 three hours ago. They don't let me leave until We're these are sold out. Diamondoids. Cornballers. These diamondoids. <laughs> Cornballers. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't even know what that is, and I don't like it. There's only 19 of, 19 of them remaining. Hey, man. Order now. Act now. Joe wrote in and says, I was recently driving and suddenly had a thought path that led to an interesting end. All of the fervor and fan and fan person campaigning to bring Firefly back to the air will likely have unforeseen consequences. It's been over 10 years since the show and many things have changed since then. The actors for starters, but also the viewers, consumers of broadcast media. If for some magical reason, a green light was given to the series, I don't think it would be what uh, what those who pushed for it would be happy with. We all remember the greatness of the show that was cut short, and most of us agree the threat of cancellation helped make it that way. If it were to air today or in the future, modern executives would want to make it uh, match modern shows. I don't think I have to paint that picture. The end would most likely be disappointment for all of us old fans because the big money would want a wooden green light what we remember and how we remember it. Just a thought. Wonder what you guys thought. Am I being too negative, says Joe, about the return of Firefly? Did you ever watch that show, uh, Zach? Yes. Were you even alive when Firefly was on? When was 2004, it on? he was alive. Yeah, I was alive. Oh, okay, no, good. I didn't watch it, though. Apparently, neither did anyone else. Yeah, no, but nobody did. That's what we were saying. Hey, yeah. hey, I did. It's on Netflix. This is, the, I, uh, this is the modern television phenomenon that I like to refer to as the monkey's paw. <laughs> That's the greatest Where people wish ever. and wish and scream for something to come back, and when it comes back, it's wrong. <laughs> and I mean, I would say that there there's two answers to this question, Joe. Yes, I believe you are being negative. But the thing about being negative is that as an adult, a lot of times being negative is what keeps you from being horribly disappointed or maimed or killed. So being negative is not in and of itself a bad thing. I think that what you look at with Firefly specifically is – People don't necessarily remember that the movie killed off 15% of the cast. If they did come back, Summer Glau that everybody was like, oh, she was so pretty, she was this 20-year-old girl, is now almost 30 years old. Still very pretty, you know, It would not – well, I'm not saying she's not pretty. I'm saying she's not 19-year-old River Tam anymore. And it would have to be a different show, and they would have to find a way to address the fact that, for instance, Nathan Fillion is 10 years older – all of the characters are 10 years older. And I think that in a lot of ways, when it comes to a really rabid fan base, um, as a fan of the Legion of Superheroes for over 35 years, I can tell you that being in a rabid fan base has a big downside because people will say, we want X, we want the Legion back, and we want you know classic Legion. And so to give us classic Legion, they bring back Keith Giffen and Paul Levitz and what we get is really bad comic books. Yeah, or, yeah. God forbid, they bring back the Jim Shooter Legion, which not only craps all over his own legacy from the 60s, but really tears a hole in everything that Wade and Kitson did when they relaunched the Legion in 2005. I mean, you can't necessarily go home again. 
but you can find a new home. And if you're willing to be flexible, if you're willing to say, okay, if they're going to do Firefly back on the air, first of all, of your nine main characters, two of them are off the table. You got seven possibilities. I'm presuming all of them aren't going to be able to come back. I know Nathan Mm -hmm. Fillion has a very successful show. What is that? And I think Uh, they're bringing back Cleopatra 20. Yeah, Castle. Yeah. I don't know. And I think they're bringing back Cleopatra 2525. So it. the actress who plays <laughs> Zoe is probably – no, it's a, it's the 15-year revival. Oh, okay. uh, they do this. But I think that, yes, you, you make a very good point. A modern show – well, I, I don't want to say modern because we're talking 12 years ago. It's not like a huge difference. No. But yeah, it would never be the same. And it would always be a disappointment to somebody – and when it's a disappointment to somebody, it becomes in in many cases it becomes a broken fan base yeah. with the new Star, you guys Star Trek. You ruined book. my childhood. Yeah, you changed it, and now it's ruined. Yeah. Hey, I just uh, just uh, Jeff Johns just posted this on Twitter, and I retweeted it for those of you that follow at Major Spoilers, and I'm sure the rest of the gang will retweet as well. Zach, you can follow him at Z Wolf. You can follow Rodrigo at Fearsome Critter, and you can follow Matthew at Mighty King Cobra. Uh, it looks like the first image from Gotham. Maybe this is the uh, title plate uh, for the movie oh. or for the TV show. I'm sorry. It comes coming on Fox. Um, Ooh, I, you know, I look at it and I'm like, that looks like a really cool rainy shot. And then I try to do the squint factor, hoping that, you know, the city and the reflection would form a bat symbol, but it does not. Uh, <laughs> well, there's no Batman in this. Uh, there's a Bruce Wayne, this is a very young Bruce Wayne. Batman. Yeah. Well, okay, but having having Bruce Wayne, oh, the Zeppelin is not necessarily. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A couple of them floating around in there. Woo, Batman from the from the cartoon from the nineties. I remember that. That would be very cool if there was a wouldn't that if if this series goes well enough and long enough that at some point the very last episode ends with a winged beast flying across the sky and two guys sitting in a Zeppelin going, "Did you see that? That'd be crazy." Or as the internet says, cray cray. Cray, no, that's what Zach says, cray cray. Yeah, yeah, he does. Uh, That's what nine-year-olds say, (laughs) cray cray. That's what I do. You are not nine. I think that's what my nine-year-old brother used to say when he was nine. He's like 25 now. (laughs) Hey, man. Comes back. It's like fashion. Weird words. Yeah, it's like cray cray fashion. Yeah, it's like cray cray. <laughs> I will kill you all. Another Joseph writes <sighs> and he says this was directed yeah, at this was directed at me, but I'll let you guys have a chance to answer. He goes, I've got a question for you. I know Rodrigo and Matthew have mentioned before they aren't always a fan of a Marvel or, or DC books that have a shared continuity. I'd like to hear your opinions on the idea of mutants being feared and loathed as, as a group while super beings are not. I feel that while it's easy to say other super beings aren't born and potentially threatening the human race's survival. I think the technical difference between the powers of Captain America and Cyclops would be both mostly meaningless to the average Joe or Jane Q public who would have trouble telling one from the other. Maybe I'm overthinking it and the X-Men just need to carry on the themes of prejudice and hatred. But I like to hear what you guys have to say on the subject. I guess my my first thought would be uh, I think there is a difference between Captain America and Cyclops. Cyclops is a Cyclops is a uh, genetic mutation, as mm-hmm. are all the X-Men. Right. And Captain America is created by science, and science is good and wonderful and has the potential to give us Iron Man. 
and has the, the, if, the potential to give us these things. And I think that, in a, I, I mean, I don't read a lot of what goes on in the greater Marvel universe or the, the thinking of the, of the average citizen on the street. But it seems like when you present somebody with a science piece, you know, here's an iPod. Ooh, must have. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. But you pre- present them with baby is born with the ability to have a million billion songs running in his head at a single time. That's a freak of nature. Kill it. Kill it. Where's, Send it the, hell. where's the headphone jack? I think I think his point is. How do you know that if you're not an well, omniscient reader? I mean, right. you ask me in the Marvel Universe, if you line up four superheroes in front of me and you say to me, which one is the hideous freakish mutant and my choice is Ben Grimm or Jean Grey, mm-hmm. you can damn well bet that I'm not going to look at the busty redhead and assume that she is the genetic anomaly. I'm going to look at the guy who looks like a rock. If you say to me, you know, the White Queen or the Hulk, who's more likely to be a mutant? I'm going to say the Hulk. He's seven foot tall and green, and he talks except, like somebody hit him in the head. Except that with the thing, though, I mean, they came back and are basically like, hey, everybody, I know I'm all stretchy, but that's because we were bombarded with cosmic rays science. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, that's why that's we turned into this. Story. Yeah, that's the be. cover story that they give to the lamestream media. Then, then Professor, the here's the thing, then, Professor X tri- just needs it, a better PR agent. He absolutely does. And so does Magneto. But more importantly, well, in, a needs world, a whole makeover. <laughs> in a world where in a world my coworkers world. cannot where tell you the difference. Can't tell you the cannot difference. Cannot tell you the difference between shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Can't I finish? Can't I finish? Okay. In a world where my coworkers cannot tell you the difference between Jennifer Lawrence and Beyonce just by looking. Wow. Yeah, this is the thing. We had this discussion. What? They were like, is that Beyonce? I'm like, no, that's the girl from the Hunger Games. Oh, is she a singer? No. Beyonce (laughs) is is a singer with – she's got long, dark hair. Okay, now granted, you're working with octogenarians. I am not working with octogenarians. I am working with people in their 50s and 60s from the Midwest who are the general public. It's like George Carlin said. Think about how stupid – the average person is and realize that many people are stupider than that. And oh, then apply I know. I've it been to, to our public, Walmart. <laughs> apply it to public knowledge. I, but see, I you, wonder, I mean, though, because it's a little bit, gosh, I, you know, that's really kind of a tough question when you pose it like that, because <laughs> I think a lot of people would know who their favorite athlete is. And they would probably, right. when you when you, when you mm-hmm. think about it, the, 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 the superstar athlete is kind of the same equivalent as a superhero. Well, maybe. And they do have that, and especially with the Avengers, who have a huge PR backing from Tony Stark and and other people. Right. I don't know, Rodrigo, you're you're, you're real quiet on this. I want to hear you weigh in. Sure. So let's talk about athletes uh, for a second. Um, So uh, the uh, X-Men have frequently been if not compared, if not overtly said to be at least compared to a uh, a metaphor for homosexuality, right? Mm. People are real freaked out about homosexuals. You can't tell who's gay by looking at them. Right. Um, so everybody is freaked out about them. Um, recently, there have been some major uh, sports figures, or at least uh, there's been movement uh, as far as Oregon, like big... Um, Major league sports having openly gay players in them. 
right? That's not the guys that your average homophobe is afraid of. They're not afraid of your big name sports players. They're not afraid of your, I don't know, um, nerdy guy from the Big Bang Theory. They're not a well. Okay, I, you need to specify tall, super super tall nerdy guy from the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> right. Um, that's not the ones they're afraid of. The ones they're afraid of are the ones where they can't tell, right? right. Um, if you want to make a different comparison, um, if there were, it's like, well, like out here in Kansas, we have uh, a law called conceal and carry, mm-hmm. um, which means you are allowed if you take certain classes to have a gun on you at all times. And you don't have to show it to anybody. Nobody has to know that you have a gun. You don't know who has a gun. You don't at any point know who has a gun. And you have to completely trust that they have the judgment to use it. Now, imagine if these permits were given out randomly. And sometimes people could, would just randomly start shooting because they don't have control over their gun. That's what mutants are like in the Marvel Universe. So the original conceit of the Avengers was we're a bunch of superheroes that are already kicking around doing superhero stuff. Let's band together. Everybody looks at them and they're like, wow, those guys stopped the volcano. That's cool. The original conceit of the X-Men were people are curb stumping our people. We need to do something about it. Eventually that kind of turned into super heroics, but the X-Men have for a long time been guys who are out there trying to protect mutants and also kind of protect humans from problematic mutants and like keep everybody at bay for their own safety so most people i think in the marvel universe aren't necessarily too concerned about um cyclops leader of the terrorist group the x-men um but they are afraid of that teenage girl on the bus who's wearing too much eye makeup like is she hiding something like eye beams, you know that's why, that's why is, what they're concerned about. Why is that the girl wearing that silver jumpsuit from the 1970s? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Watch out for that. That's how you can tell. I think that what I would love to see is, even if it's just you know kind of a throwaway mention here and there of, is you know hey that's that Green Goblin. You think he's a mutant? Or you know uh, do you do you think that Reed Richards is really hiding the fact that they're all mutants? If you if you're going to play it like that, I think they do in some cases need to address. And this is I don't necessarily say that I'm not a fan of shared continuity, but this is one of the problems specifically in the Marvel universe that's come from shared continuity is the X-Men have their own little microcosm which is played in many cases as separate and distinct where say I don't know Havoc as a member of the Uncanny Avengers will run into, oh, you're a, you're a mutant, grr, we, we throw rocks at you. You don't necessarily have that same thing that you see in the pages of, like, X-Factor, where people are being, you know, hit in the face with bricks. I feel like there's kind of a, a, a strata difference between, say, even, even Uncanny Avengers, which is overtly meant to be an Avengers team using mutants for political, you know, well, positive and- political meaning. But 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 you see that in in actual real world politics, there are members of mar- marginalized groups that get elevated, and people look at them mm-hmm. and they say, "Oh, that one, that's one of the good ones." Right. Um, or- but they're they're so perfectly willing to hate on the non-famous ones. Absolutely true. I guess I I still say that if if you're if you're going to see the thing 
people are going to say, uh, that, that thing guy, I don't, I don't trust him. I think he's a yeah. secret. Mm-hmm. But, but I think that, I mean, that's a good point is that, um, when people see a scary, ugly guy, they would assume he's a yeah. mutant and might not entertain, um, notions that he isn't. Right. Um, but that's the thing, but, but it's still like the mutant, the mutant part is the negative part. Right. right? So it's like, rather than say, oh, there are good mutants and bad mutants is like, if you are bad or ugly, you're probably, you're probably, that that, that goes into that, into that racist, uh, prejudice type. Oh, he's, he's one of those good Mexicans, you know, it kind of falls into that same, into that same category. Matthew's point and tying into Rodrigo's point of the comparison to homophobia especially out here in midwestern kansas where matthew's point of oh look at that person they're obviously this and not scared like uh, rodrigo said of the of the person you don't know who mm-hmm. they don't know who they are uh, out here it seems more of we see you and we assume you're this so that's why we don't like you yes mm-hmm mm-hmm and that's definitely a possibility. I, I mean, you know, I, I do wish it's a complex. I think I've mentioned before, I do wish that we could see and I know it wouldn't be a very long series. I know it probably wouldn't be a very successful series. I, I still want to see one of these series where we're looking at this world from the eyes of the common man. I mean, we kind of saw it with Marvel's uh, from the photographer's yeah. standpoint. And I thought that was a very good series, but I don't want it to be where the photographer is the person or I'm sorry, in the case of Kingdom Come. Where the preacher is the, uh, you know, is the point of the whole human race and has to, you know, solve some moral dilemma. I just want to see just like the, the, what is it, the cleanup crew or whatever they are in in the Marvel universe. Damage control. Damage control. I keep forgetting what that is. I want to see some stories where it's just like, okay, we got to pick up the pieces. I mean, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. almost pushes, the TV show almost pushes that boundary where we're seeing, okay, here's how the government has to deal with all this crap that's going on in the Marvel universe. But I really want to see something from the common man's point of view. DC kind of did it with what was it? Gotham Knights, not K N I T G H T S, but Gotham Knights N I G T H S. They did like two or three series N-I-G-H-T-S. of that. Where it's just like H T S. Yes, N I G H T S. Where it was just here, are just your average Joe people in Gotham City, and here's how these events play out based on either something that happens with Superman and or not Superman, Batman and the Joker fighting or. You know, Batman having to come in and clean up this mess that people have done. I I don't know. I just kind of find those stories fascinating. And I think that's I mean, I guess that's the extension of this shared universe kind of thing uh, where you eventually what? need to know what the common man is thinking. You know, what radio station is he listening to? <laughs> what What's the popular music of the time in, in New York City? See, and that's that's the problem you run into with those series yeah, is yeah. so many people look at those and they go, wow. This is, I mean, yeah, this cares? is meaningless yeah. minutia. Where are my big guys? Where, yeah, where's exactly. my Iron Man? Yeah, exactly. Where's that's my problem. Then, like, that's why I said it wouldn't people, be popular and it wouldn't will, be well read. But for those people like me that really want to find out, there's that, there's that little outlet. Yeah, and part of the issue, which actually gets back to the, the, I think what kicked off the question is that continuity issue. Is that, mm-hmm. um, depending on what story they want to tell, you know, the temperament of the Marvel universe changes where. Uh, humans, mutants, or any sort of metahuman or, or whatever they're collectively called in the Marvel Universe are concerned, um, changes. For, for example, um, basically the uh, the new X-Men run, like the, the Morrison run on X-Men was kicked off by a mutant boom, right? So there were like, mm-hmm. in major cities, there were like mutants 
hidden towns. Right. Um, yep. That were basically ghettos or like, you know, ethnic small communities and that sort of thing, um, which was later on pretty much completely undone. Um, so like everything it's else like, in that series. Yeah, like everything else in that series, um, except except for the White Queen's outfit. Um, well, boobs, which, you know, might have been. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so you end up with things where um, part of the problem of the inconsistency in how people see humans and or in how people see superhumans versus mutants is that lots of different people are writing them. Continuity keeps getting shuffled around to accommodate what a writer wants while still pretending like everything else still somehow happened. Um, and you run into problems like that. You know, to a large degree, somebody who's writing Spider-Man isn't thinking about mutant hysteria when they're writing Spider-Man. Right, right, right. Uh, because they want to tell a Spider-Man story. So a big part of the reason why you don't see that um, anti-mutant feeling in, for example, Spider-Man books, which in some you do, I've, I've seen it and it, it's cool. Um, but usually it leads to an X-Men cross or mm-hmm. you don't just hear it. Um, usually the reason for that is that the writer isn't even thinking about the X-Men, right? I mean, in when you're writing Spider-Man, you don't necessarily have to think, ah, oh, what's, what's freaking Thor up to nowadays yeah. um, if you're not involving Thor? Um, but because the X-Men and mutants in the Marvel Universe are this huge social issue um sometimes it seems like it disappears when the writers don't want to get involved Mm -hmm. right what what was that series and again i'm going back to maybe just a bigger universe of what's going on behind the scenes what was that uh series that followed the reporters from the daily bugle uh there was a couple there was the um embedded thing what was it frontline yeah yeah yeah. frontline that's and then there was Frontline for a while was appearing anytime there was a big crossover. You had right. Civil War Frontline and something else Frontline and Planet frontline Hulk. Frontline. I think Planet Hulk yeah. got a Frontline. Yeah. yeah, and it was it was it was something where they were trying to tell stories that explain this really is a universe spanning crossover of Doom, and here's what's happening with you know Texas Twister. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, I don't like that. Up to a point. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's what I'm saying. Up to a point. You couldn't do it all the time. But you remember in Watchmen, and it, it became an integral part of those characters in the background around the uh, newsstand as the series progressed. But do you think you could yeah. throw in but, I mean, some random background characters throughout all of the Marvel books? And if you're following those books, you could see their lives develop in the background panels and maybe occasionally uh-huh. they're coming up like, into a foreground can, with a, with a bit. A, but you would be like, no, oh, there's, there's that guy there's, again. There's barely enough space in these books and time yeah. and writing and, and, and perhaps more importantly, writing talent yeah, to maybe. cover the emotions of the characters and the people immediately around them. Like, yeah. well, and some of these I'm- books, like something happens to Spider-Man and you don't see Mary Jane or whoever he's dating at the time for two issues right. to get her response. Because in the middle of all of this, the Hulk destroys New York City. Right, and then they have to like kind of get back to what mm-hmm. Spider Man was right. doing. Well, the reason like, I asked that is because you can't if you can't tell me how Mary Jane is reacting to all of these things, I'm going to care even less about a news vendor and that little kid it. that has the same name as him. Think. Well, the reason I say that is because when I was was reading Dan Slott's Amazing Spider Man, and especially when they were doing um, Spider Island and the the Goblin arc thing with the right after the death of Peter Parker. Um, spoiler. Um, 
they would go into the Daily Bugle and you're seeing all of these writers sitting around and Slot breathes so much life into them that from issue to issue, I could mentally fill the gaps of what these two, what this character was doing between issues, you know, 101 right. and, and 103 mm-hmm. because of just some comments that were being made in the background of the noise of the newsroom. And it made that newsroom feel I more think- busy and more real, even though we didn't see these characters anywhere else except for here's this giant splash page of the newsroom and everybody rushing around trying to get this story. I think in in that context is about the only way you could work that because it would have to be something where you're dealing with a single writer in most cases, which means either a guy who's got one or two books or Bendis who's got nine, Mm -hmm. but they're Mm -hmm. all basically the same thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, I think that it's a great idea, but what would happen? Yeah, it'd be a mess in practice. I think is it would be a mess and it would overshadow the stories you were trying to tell Marvel comics right now are averaging 20 pages, Yeah, 20 pages per month, you know, and that's not a whole lot of space to get a lot of subtext and, and depth in. So it's amazing. They get what they do mm-hmm. with the page after page of Dr. Octopus fighting in his brain with an imaginary Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Also spoilers. Good, good, uh, so, good, good question there, Joseph. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Very writes in question. Christopher writes in and says, I finally got around to watching the second Thor film and I spent most of the film thinking right about now would be the perfect time to introduce Captain Britain or some of the MI 13 uh, or for some of the uh, MI 13 agents to appear. So my question to you guys is, will we ever see a non-American superhero in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? And which would you like to see? Well, we've already got Wolverine. In the in the no in Wolverine the is is he's from Canadian, Canada, isn't he? yeah, he's not, I don't there. think he's actually in the Marvel Cinematic Universe though because he's at Fox. Well, yeah. okay. And Wolverine is no more Canadian than Captain Kirk is Canadian. Wait a minute, Captain Kirk is Canadian. I thought he was raised in Nebraska, yeah, raised from like Iowa, Iowa, Iowa. No, James. I'm teaching e. Kirk, a Star Wars class, played no, by no, William Shatner. Is 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 a Canadian <laughs> man of 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 the Jewish faith, and you know those things don't come up. I think that. In order, yes, we will see non-American superheroes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because of the nature of the film business today. And I think that, you know, we will see that sooner rather than later because films are no longer just pointed at the Midwest and how will it play in Peoria. Guardians of the Galaxy didn't have Americans in it. Star-Lord is an American. But uh, uh, the guy that uh, Bautista's playing... He's from different planet. Drax? Yeah, Drax. Drax. He's a, he's a space alien. alien. Yeah, he's Drax. a space alien. Drax is not a space alien. I think, I think. Drax is not a space alien. He is an American Earth person who was transformed. What about Rocket Raccoon? He, he is the father of Moon Dragon. And, and actually, I think technically, because of the processes involved, Rocket Raccoon also counts as an American. Damn you, yeah. Marvel will never see a Canadian superhero in your Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, yeah, we probably if won't. you were to ask. Which non-American Marvel superhero do I want to see? The answer is a resounding and completely overwhelmingly loud Sunfire. Mm. Japanese superhero. He's arrogant. Oh, we, he's well, rude. Say. He would so clash with Iron Man. Iron Man is like, ha, uh, we got a Hulk. And Sunfire would be like, you're on uh, fire. No, see, <laughs> the problem with <laughs> that is fire. Iron Man's not going to have any more movies after Avengers 2. Well, unless they replace Tony. Uh, no, I, I think they'll be Tony done. Danza. I think they'll be done. Um, <laughs> where, Danza. <laughs> where does Big Hero 6 take place? Uh, in that uh, giant megalo city between Japan and L.A. 
So it's between Japan and LA. Well, I don't know. What's what's it called? Like Tokyologist or whatever it's called? Tokyangelist? Because you, you mentioned Sunfire. Know. It's some weird You mentioned Sunfire, right, Matthew? Isn't that who you said? Yeah. Because Sunfire we do have a, we do have that big Hero 6 movie that's coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, yeah. it's an animated movie, but it's still... Um, Still features those characters, Studios. and it's from Marvel Studios, and it's a big to do. Sunfire. I I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be difficult um, because outside of the X Men, you don't see too many foreign superheroes in Marvel books, and um, that is a problem because I I assume that like Fox gets first dibs on any X Men character. Right. So, and they can and they can probably contest it. So, um, obviously Matthew could, but if you start thinking about the list of, of non-American Avengers, um, it's pretty short. Um, that's, uh, you know, I, I mean, forget um, non-Americans. I would settle for seeing um, American characters of color in the Avengers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're getting a Falcon and Captain America. But uh, are we ever going to see a yeah? Are we are we ever going to see a Hispanic person in the Avengers? I would be willing to bet that the um, that the franchise disappears before we get a Hispanic superhero in the Avengers. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there are currently any Hispanic Avengers. Um, I know that like Flamebird or something like that was in the Avengers for a while. Flamebird was there was Silverclaw who was right. super super stereotypical. Uh, Sunspot is half Brazilian. I yeah. don't know if that Sun- counts. Um, well, he's I mean he's Brazilian. Uh, so, you know it's like you know that so that's fine. But again, X Men character. It's like if you look at the X Men, the X Men are actually at least for a while were very international. You know, like the. When when Second Genesis happened, everybody was like, "Oh, look at all these guys who say yes in different ways and friend in different ways." <laughs> That's amazing, <laughs> because because yes, yes and friend are the hardest words to say in English. Iron Man, Thor, Giant Man, Wasp. I think Hulk, if we're gonna see any like, there are more space aliens. Yeah. There are more space aliens in the Avengers than there are black um, Panther. Yeah, black people for one. Um, Black Panther is not Hispanic. Um, Black Panther is not Hispanic, but he also comes from a fictional country. True. Uh, Mantis is Asian. Mm -hmm. Uh, Beast is a mutant. Black Widow is Russian. Moon Dragon, Hellcat, Miss Marvel. I'm going down the list in my head, and I have to do it in joining order, or I won't know. All right. Well, we Uh, can. The Falcon. uh, Right. The Falcon. Tigra. Captain Marvel is African American. Doctor Druid's an ass clown. Um, Firebird may be the first Hispanic Avenger in history. Could well be. I I remember that guy triathlon. He was black. Yeah, he was African American. Yeah. Um, Living Lightning. Eh, was a West Coast Avenger. That's barely an Avenger. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is. I mean, I, I mean, it's I, that's that's actually is like, why don't we see more foreign characters in the Avengers? It's like, well, there aren't that many foreign superheroes. Um, all, also, like, I mean, not not only are the majority of Marvel heroes American, the majority of Marvel heroes literally live in the same city. They yes. all live in the same city. Yes, it's like you don't even get, you barely even get mid 
Western characters or West Coast characters, except in the X-Men. Like the X-Men also is a whole lot better about showing, again, just ridiculous stereotypes and accents. But right. at least they have people from different with different ridiculous accents did, than just Ben. <laughs> did we see the but Avengers? Part of, their, did we ever, part of did, their gimmick is inclusion. Did we ever see all fifty of the Avengers from the the Fifty States Initiative? No, no. Okay, we saw like thirty or thirty five teams. There was um, Echo, was I believe Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. So that's four. And God, I don't. Uh, I, there are. Yeah, you are exactly right. There are more in humans and mutants and aliens than there are people of color any place in the Avengers history. Are you guys ready for me to just completely shoulder check this conversation into another track? Sure. Oh, hit it. This is this is why we need a black human torch. Because yes. there just there literally are not enough superheroes of color in the Marvel universe that you the only way that these guys that were ever going to see people of color in the Marvel canon is for like a, a lightning bolt to come down from the sky and turn them black. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, it, and that's, yeah. that's, yeah. Wow. That, I, I, that's I don't really have a problem. Started. I mean, I really don't have a problem with, you know, casting anyone of color, uh, in any, any role or any other dif- different ethnicity. It doesn't, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't bother me. And I think we talked about that when we were talking about uh, the Johnny yeah. Storm switch up. That doesn't matter. It's just it's it's, it's casting choice. Um, and you know, having having Samuel Adams play Nick Fury, a character who has been Caucasian since 1960, that's an awesome call. That yeah. is a great idea, and it came across wonderful to the point where I I would argue now that Nick Fury as Sam Jackson is better known than. Anything. Oh, absolutely. Because the movies are going to do that. The movies are going to do that. Yep. Which I think is pretty awesome. Boy, I that may be it. Unless, well, no, Craven is Russian. I was thinking. What about Blade? Well, Blade's African American. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's half black, half vampire. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not funny. <laughs> he's in the Avengers now. He's he's Ronin again. Oh, crap. Spoilers. <gasps> All right. So let's what? wrap this up. Ryan Reynolds, probably not that Ryan Reynolds, although it would be kind of cool if no, that Ryan that Reynolds Ryan was. Ryan. I'm going to pretend it is. It is. Uh, I'm going to pretend that it's Green Lantern listening to this episode and writing in uh, about his Dude, pizza you have story. awesome apps. No doubt. Uh, I was going to write you this amazing. And Wilder was killer, brother. Yeah, I like uh, <laughs> two guys, a girl and a pizza joint. Uh, I was going to write you this amazing email about why I should write comics or Lego set reviews for you guys, which makes it even more awesome when you hear that in Ryan, Ryan, the real Ryan Reynolds voice. Not to say that this guy isn't the real Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, then yeah. I realized that I like comics way too much to properly critique them. So instead, I'll just say thank you for making my mind-numbing drives to and from uh, work a lot better. You guys are fantastic. My girlfriend and I will just sit around and listen to the top five sometimes without tuning in to TV at all. Uh, we listen to Critical Hit. It's been running pretty much regularly here as well. So thank you for everything from Ryan Reynolds and his girlfriend. Who's, who's he dating? Who's he married to? Oh, he was Scarlett married to Johansson. Scarlett Johansson up Scar until Joe? 2011. Yeah. Uh, really? Currently married they, to Blake Lively, I believe. Books. Yeah, Scarlett Johansson and Ryan Reynolds had a brief uh, oh. marriage. Yeah, from 2000, yeah, yeah, 2008 to 2011. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2008 to 2011, <laughs> he was married to, to Scarlett Johansson. So yes, I, I would Very like nice. to imagine that 
the Green Ryan Lantern Reynolds was married to the Black Widow. Is married to yeah. their children are all chartreuse. There you go. Uh, but Ryan, thank you for writing and thank you for those kind words. And listeners, thank you for tuning in, and listening to us chat and uh, fill your, your ear holes with conversation each and every week. Uh, thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. Make sure you head over to the website. And if you want a little bit extra, head over to members.majorspoilers.com. Check out some of the things going on over there. Extras to the people who are extra kind uh, and help us move what we're doing to the next level. Yeah. And even if underwater even if you level underwater lab, I want the one that rises up like Thunder. in, uh, was it Goldfinger? No. What was the one? Uh, Thunderball where the uh, underwater lab rises up out of the ocean. That's is that the want. one where the Oasis is singing how after all you're my Thunderball? Underwater lab. What's the one James where it's inside Bond. a volcano? Which one? Spy that? who loved me. That's what that is. Spy that's who loved me. No, that's uh, Austin Powers. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we'll be back really? next week for more comicy geeky goodness. Please spread the word because again, the more listeners we have, the more things we can do. Thanks to Shades of Vengeance for sponsoring this episode. Go check out their Kickstarter at tinyurl.com/kicksov. And uh, we know that you love comics, and we do do. And we will talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Major Spoilers. If I had the X-ray vision of a Superman, I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. When you think about a better way, if I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and forth my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler, yeah, 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 what a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. If I'm Stark Raven, rich like a man of iron, I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. But would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Shot up in a fun be in the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler! What a major spoiler! Yeah, yeah, yeah! What a major spoiler! Whoa, 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 whoa. What a major spoiler! Major spoilers is copyright 2014.